Good evening. I'd like to welcome all of you here to our Blue Christmas service. My name is Jennifer. I'm one of the pastors here at White Rock Baptist, and it's good to see you here tonight. This time that we've set aside is a space in which you can feel whatever you need to feel at Christmas time. So often we have pressure on us to be joyful, to be happy, to be merry, and for various reasons we don't always feel that way. And God already knows that, and he's with you in this season and every day of your lives. And so we wanted to offer a time where we could come together and acknowledge some of the hurt and the loss and the grief that we feel at Christmas. On the front of the bulletin that you received is Psalm 13, and I'd like us to look at that now. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Let's pray. Lord, we've come together tonight, some with very heavy hearts. And yet, Lord, our desire is to sing your praise and to acknowledge the ways that you have been good to us. Lord, even in the midst of pain and grief, we know that you walk with us still. And we thank you for your faithful presence and your love. I pray that tonight, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. To each one here, Lord, would you bring fresh healing and hope and joy. Lord, we know that you are able. So we thank you for what you are going to do in us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you may be familiar with the tradition of lighting Advent candles every Sunday before Christmas. And tonight we have candles to light, but they have slightly different meanings. And so I'm going to invite my readers up with me, and we're going to do a liturgy of remembrance using these four Advent candles. The first candle, the candle of comfort. We light in memory of the people that we have loved and lost. We pause to remember their names their voices, their faces, and the memories that bind us to them in this season. We hold them before God, giving thanks for their lives having touched ours. Take a moment now to remember those who've passed away. I invite you to name them in the silence of your own hearts. Lord, each of us brings the memory of our loved ones to you. We entrust them to your loving care. Give us comfort and strength, we pray. We ask that you fill us 
with motivation and energy in the days ahead when we may feel like giving up. Remind us often of our true homeland when we're caught up in the desolation of the journey. Help us to find joy in the people, events, and the beauty of nature which surrounds us. Thank you for the gift that each of these people have been in our lives. We want to believe that we will celebrate the treasure of love with them again when we are all in your presence forever. May this truth sustain us in the days to come. Take our sad and aching hearts and comfort us. Comfort us, for we only feel hollowness and emptiness. God of sorrowing, draw near. Amen. The second candle is the candle of peace, which we light in recognition of the pain of loss. The loss of relationships, the loss of jobs with the security they bring, the loss of health in ourselves or in family members, the loss of joy and peace in our lives from the stresses which surround us, the loss and loneliness we experience when our loved ones do not share our faith. As we gather up the pain of these losses, we offer it to you, O God, asking that into our open hands you will place the gift of peace. So please take a moment now to remember losses that you have experienced or those close to you. And I invite you to name them in the silence of this moment in your hearts. God of mystery, we turn our hearts to you, O Lord. We come before you in need of peace, grateful for the mystery of life, and ever keenly aware of your promises of guidance and protection. We want to place our trust in you, Lord, but our hearts grow fearful and anxious. We forget so easily that you will be with us in all that we experience. Teach us, Lord, to be patient with the transformation of our lives and to be open to the changes which we are now going through. Amen. The third candle, the candle of guidance, we light for those who have experienced a loss of direction in their lives. God of the Exodus, you led Moses and your people through the wilderness to a new land. Hear our prayer. We want so much to have a sense of direction, to know where we are and where we ought to be headed. But the darkness and the questions stay. You ask us to be full of faith, to believe deep within us that you are our signpost, that you are our wisdom and our guide, and to trust in your presence. Your words to us are clear. Do not fear. I go before you. God of our depths, we cry out to you to be our guide. 
Help us to have a strong sense of inner direction and grant that we may have the reassurance of knowing that we are on the right path. Take our lives and use them according to your will. Take all that is lost in us and bring us home to you. Amen. The fourth candle we light is a sign of hope. The hope that the Christmas story offers us. We remember that God who shares our life promises us a place and a time of no more pain and suffering. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. We put our hope in this promise today. O God, whose spirit is known by those whose hearts are thankful and who makes cheerfulness a companion of strength, lift up our hearts, we pray, to a joyous confidence in your care. Give us hope when all seems dark around us. Teach us to know that the darkness is only a shadow because the light of eternal goodness shines behind the object of our fears. Help us to trust in your love and fill us with love for others. May we bring comfort and encouragement to those around us. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, whose life is our light and our hope. Amen. These wise men are some of the most mysterious characters in the Bible. Somehow they saw Jesus' birth written in the stars, and they set out on a long journey to search for this newborn king. This famous carol, We Three Kings of Orient Are, expresses that plodding determination of their search and that beautiful prayer for God's guidance. Guide us to thy perfect light. I think their story captures the awe and wonder of Christmas, and it fills us with questions. Who were these magi? Where did they come from? What was the nature of this star that it was able to guide them to a particular house? Did they really understand who that baby Jesus was, that he was the son of God? Or were they simply paying homage to a new king? Like emperor worship was very common at the time. Why would they even care about worshiping the king of the Jews, being foreigners? But apparently the author of the Gospel of Matthew didn't care about any of those details. They weren't important enough to him to be recorded in scripture. What Matthew focuses on is the worship that is due to the Christ child, and this surprising fact that it's foreigners from another land who recognize and understand the significance of Jesus' birth when his own people do not. The Magi were seeking divine guidance, and when they received it, they responded with obedience and faith and the sacrifice of their time and their treasures. How can this ancient story help us today? with where we are at. It's so far removed from our own time and culture. But I would propose that whether you believe the Magi were historical figures or not, the difficult journey that they made 
is symbolic of the difficult journey that all of us embark on when we seek to respond to God in faith. The Magi were sincerely seeking to follow God's guidance and to worship Jesus, but all of their best efforts led them to a very uncomfortable place, the court of a deceitful and bloodthirsty king who lied about his motivations. On the positive side, in that court, they did find further guidance through this ancient prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Their faith in God's leading and the importance of their search was reaffirmed, and so they set out with renewed hope. But their visit to King Herod also has disastrous consequences, as we read in the rest of the chapter. Not only do the Magi have to take another way home to avoid him, but Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus are forced to flee to Egypt to escape King Herod's wrath. In Bethlehem, all the baby boys under two are slaughtered mercilessly by Herod's soldiers. His lust for power and control and his jealousy of anyone who would challenge his right to the throne leads to this massacre which devastates an entire town. This is not part of the Christmas story that we often read on Christmas Eve. But we do well to remember that after the angels sang joy to the world at the Savior's birth came the weeping of these mothers in Bethlehem. Scripture recounts both these events side by side without trying to reconcile them, just as in our own lives this paradox of joy mingled with sorrow often remains unexplained. There's a difficult truth for us here in the Magi's story. God's good guidance still leads us through dark places, through suffering and anguish and pain. Even when we are doing all the right things, life is not going to always be joyful and pleasant. We'd prefer to rush past the pain of this story to the part where Herod dies and Mary and Joseph can bring Jesus back to Israel. But their exile in Egypt lasted for years. Years of wondering, years of doubting, years of longing and sorrow and stress. You've all experienced times like that. At some point in our lives, each one of us has had occasion to ask, Why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? Are you really leading me? Why have you not answered my prayer? I don't deserve this. I've been doing the best I can. And why do things have to be so hard? I don't have answers to those why questions, but I do believe from the rest of Jesus' story, and from my own experience, that our journeys through life never go in a straight line. We all end up taking the roundabout way home, like the wise men. And we all experience times of grief. We all have doubts and seasons where our faith in God seems dead. We all experience loneliness and confusion and loss. That's the nature of life in this world and All of our best intentions to follow God are not going to change that. Suffering is an inevitable part of human existence. And so even when we're sincerely seeking God to worship him and to serve him, we have to take the roundabout way. Just like the Magi, and just like Mary and Joseph, and just like Jesus, whose journey led him to the cross. 
In a way, this is strangely comforting. It doesn't diminish the pain, but at least we know we are not alone in this common human experience. And if we can accept that the roundabout way is normal, that there is no straight path to get home, then it doesn't feel quite so bleak. We can trust our suffering is going to be incorporated into the story and redeemed for a purpose. Rather than being an interruption to the plot, the suffering can be part of the plot of our life story. And the story that God is writing for each one of us is not finished yet. In Matthew, after all of the suffering and the stress and the confusion that we read about, chapter 2 concludes with the fulfillment of another prophecy. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus returned to Israel to live in the town of Nazareth. And verse 23 says, So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. That may not seem like an important verse to us, and it's certainly not the most exciting, but I believe it is the most important sentence in the story. It's what ties this whole narrative of chapter 2 together. Before the author switches gears to write about the ministry of John the Baptist, he wants to make an important point about Jesus' origin. The point that Matthew wants to make is that God has been in control this entire time. God knew exactly what it was going to take for Jesus to be called a Nazarene, the roundabout way that the Magi and Mary and Joseph were going to have to take. And he knew all the pain and the suffering that would be part of that journey. He knew it, and he told his prophets about it hundreds of years earlier. Nothing came as a surprise to God. All of it, the suffering included, was part of the story and part of the good plan that he had to bring a savior to the world. There was pain in this plan, for sure. There was fear, and there was doubt, and there was grief. But there was also peace and hope in knowing that God really was sovereign over all of it. He had a purpose for it. Matthew 2 is really only the prequel to the story of Jesus' life and ministry and death and resurrection. God's plan was not just that Jesus be worshipped at his birth, but that all of us could receive new spiritual birth through him. The stories of untold millions of people were going to be changed because of Jesus Christ, and it was going to be worth all of the pain that would be experienced along the way. And I believe the same can be true in our lives. All of the pain and suffering that we face can be redeemed for a purpose by God. We don't often know or understand the purpose, but our living Savior, Jesus Christ, brings beauty from ashes, life out of death, hope out of despair. When we come to him in faith, accepting the forgiveness that he bought for us on the cross with his own blood, then we can trust he is going to use every single part of our lives, both the wonderful and the excruciating, to lead us on that roundabout way to our eternal home with him. He does not waste a single painful experience. He uses our deepest wounds and our darkest times to show us that he is able to carry us through, to teach us he can be our comforter and our strength, to grow our compassion for others, and to prove that there is nothing we cannot face with him by our side. The worst possible response to grief and pain would be to turn away from God. Why would you cut yourself off from the only source 
of eternal life and hope. Now, as Corey Ten Boom said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the driver. Corrie ten Boom knew about things getting dark. She lived in the Netherlands during the Second World War, and because her family helped to hide Jewish people in their homes, she was arrested and sent to the concentration camps. And there her father and her beloved sister died. But she never turned away from her faith in God. She sat still in that dark tunnel, and she trusted the driver. And afterwards... Her autobiography, The Hiding Place, touched millions of lives with the hope of the gospel and the power of forgiveness. So my prayer for you is that whatever you are experiencing in this season of life, that you will trust God, the driver of the train, in your dark tunnel. I'd like to invite you now to do something tangible to express that faith and that trust. When you came in tonight, you were given a small paper ornament like this. And in the pew in front of you, there should be a pen. And so on this little paper ornament, I'd like you to write just a couple of words that express whatever it is that brought you here tonight. Maybe it's simply the name of someone that you've lost this year. Maybe it's a word or a phrase that describes what you need right now. It could be hope. It could be peace, or faith, or guidance, or comfort, or healing. Or maybe it's a few words that describe some other situation in your life that you want God's help with. There is no wrong way to do this. It's simply an opportunity for you to express to God what the longing of your heart is tonight, and then leave that with him. You can write on one side or on both sides, and if you don't have one of these ornaments or if you need another one or a pen, you can just raise your hand and our ushers will bring one for you. And then during the next song that my husband and I are going to sing for you, you can feel free to bring your ornament up and hang it on this tree here, the one with the blue angel on the top. And that tree will stay on our platform through the Christmas season to remind our congregation to pray for those of you who are hurting and who have a particular need and request this Christmas season. So please take a moment to prayerfully write something on your ornament, and then please don't be shy. Come forward while we're singing and hang it on the tree. Now may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I pray this for each one of you as you go through the next few days of Christmas. And if you would like to stay, we have people with name tags on that are happy to sit and pray with you for a few minutes. This space is available for as long as we need it. 
So if you stay seated right where you are, someone will come and ask if you'd like prayer, or you can come and sit towards the front if you like, and we'll be sure to pray with you before you go. Also, I want to draw your attention to these small cards inside of your programs about a grief therapy group that will be beginning January the 19th. And Heather, our counselor, is here tonight, so if you'd like to ask her any questions about this group, feel free to talk to Heather. She'll be in the foyer after the service. Thank you so much for joining us for Blue Christmas. We do pray that you sense God's presence here with you, and feel free to stay and pray for as long as you like. Thank you.